Hey, Adam, guess what time it is? It's time to crack the customer code. Welcome to episode 44 of Crack the Customer Code. I am Adam Pork, and I am here with my co-host, as always, Jeannie, the podcast destroyer, Walters. <laughs> You've been watching a little bit of wrestling lately, <laughs> it, huh? Uh, they do it in MMA, too. Oh, good. Okay, that's your, more your speed. <laughs> we need like podcast names, you know. We need like uh, like those whatever, you know. Genie the Destroyer Walters. I like that. Nice. Okay. Should I, I just start throwing things off my desk? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know what? So here's the thing. I'm feeling very old lately. Really? Uh, mainly because before we hit record, you reminded me that I was older than you. But not for, I did do that. Not for any other reason than that. But I am feeling old, and part of it is millennials and generational gap. And I think there's this time in everyone's life, it's like the first time that you refer to you know, those kids or that generation. Like the first time that comes out of your mouth is like a defining moment. It's yes. like, uh-oh, hold on. I just turned into my dad. <laughs> it happens to the best of us doesn't it <laughs> it does happen and it brings up an interesting question because every generation complains about the one before it so the question is are these generations truly different are the millennials truly different than generation x or are they just young and we're old well i refuse to accept that i'm old i won't say anything about you but i refuse to accept that i will I remind you daily <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know. It's a great question because I think part of what we have in this conversation today is perspective on how the world shapes each generation. And it's about what happens to our parents and what happens around us in the world that kind of shapes how we look at the world, our mindset, our work ethic, all of those things. Yeah. And Lee Carrer is just a great guest. She's known as the millennial whisperer. Mm hmm. Used to be my old job. But <laughs> yeah, she she has got so much insight into these generational challenges and how they affect people in the workplace and the communication and the views towards work. And I know you and I were discussing that uh, real sports uh, episode recently that you know where every kid gets a trophy and they sort of took a look. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a generational thing. No matter how you feel about it, it is something that separates our generation from the one that came after it. Right. And it will affect how they look at the world. And I think that's the most fascinating part of this discussion is really how do you know what will really shape how they behave and what they're going to say, well, okay, we, we tried that and we're moving on and we're going to try something else when we get older. Exactly. So why don't we let the expert tell us a little bit about this and let's get to Lee. But first, as always, we're going to have a word from our sponsors. We sure do. We all know that customer experience is hot, but are you taking advantage of its huge potential to make your services business more prominent and profitable? Join Service Strategies for an informative customer experience workshop in San Diego on October 27th. You'll learn how to create customer success while generating profitable revenue for your services business. The workshop is part of the Service Industry Summit event, which brings together leaders from companies like Cisco, Dell, and others to discuss the challenges of a challenging, changing service landscape. Visit servicestrategies.com to learn more. 
And if you want to reach customer service and customer experience professionals, sponsoring this podcast is a great way to do so. Go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor for more details. Now, let's find out a little bit about what's happening in the modern generation gap. Jeannie, tell us about our guest. My pleasure. Lee Carraher literally wrote the book about intergenerational workplaces. She is the author of Millennials and Management, The Essential Guide to Making It Work at Work. After discussing millennials a few times on this podcast, it's great to hear Lee's positive and proactive take on how everyone can get along. Well, Lee, we're thrilled you're here. Welcome to the podcast, and thanks for spending some time with us. It is so great to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And the first question I want to ask, um, you know, you wrote this book about millennials and management and intergenerational workplaces. And I'm just curious, why did you want to write a book on this subject? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're not a millennial. Is that correct? That is correct. I am the last year of Boomer. And um, the reason I wrote the the book uh, was not my, you know, I didn't set out to write a book about millennials. The reason I wrote the book was in my firm, we had hired our first millennial. My firm was 13 years old, but we hired our our first millennial in 2010. And when um, she showed up, she's awesome, fantastic, I mean, really one of the brightest stars I've ever had in my whole career. But she had very different ideas about what work meant to her than what the rest of us thought. And, um, and sort of befuddling, like her first day, I walk in the office a little late, and there's a dog in the office, and <laughs> like, what's this dog doing here? And um, it was a service dog, right? And, and a little had the red jacket on. And in San Francisco, you know, you just don't touch the dogs, man. It's just you know, dogs are sacrosanct. <laughs> and I was like, does anybody know the dog was coming? No. Did anyone? Did anyone allergic to dogs? I don't know. I'm like, let's find out, right? <laughs> and not only was there a dog, but there's also a water filter and a kibble dispenser and this big uh, dog bed. And the dog was a chihuahua, okay? It was oh my a goodness. service dog in how I think of service dogs, right? Um, and I, I was like, okay, the world just shifted. The world <laughs> just shifted. And um, I called some colleagues in the city. I was like, this just happened. And they were like, you are in for it. These millennials are so terrible. I was like, okay, a whole generation can't be terrible, A. And B, what's a millennial? I had no idea. So um, uh, two things happened. One, and by the end of the next month, we had nine service dogs in the office because she ran this little side business of figuring out how to get everybody serviceized, their dogs. And then two was, um, you know, it took us a while. Long, maybe at the end of that year, we had hired six other millennials, Um within a couple months and they all failed 100% failure um, which I had never within three months I had never had 100% failure in recruiting in my entire career and I've had big big companies um, and I've managed like six and seven hundred people at a time and all that kind of stuff so um, I started looking into it and um, everything about Millennials if you if you googled it today you know Millennials in the workplace you'd find over two and a half million negative entries Wow. And, you know, I have this business, I'm 51, I have a long way to go, and I cannot be negative about the generation that's going to make my future possible. Um, so um, I sort of threw everything out, and we sort of figured it out ourselves, like, what's going to work? Like, how do you get a millennial to sit next to a Gen X, sit next to a boomer, sit next to a silent, which is our condition today. Most businesses have three or four generations in them. 
And um, the conditions on, that we all are in are very, very different from the generation to generation. So we have to make it work. And I'm sort of determined to make it work. And then um, we sort of figured it out for ourselves. And then um, it turned into my company is a PR digital marketing firm. Um, but it turned into um, about half of the business that I personally am asked to do for my clients. We were having, we don't understand these millennials in our office. What are we going to do? You know? <laughs> um, and our, our point of view from our firm is that if you cannot communicate with your employees, don't bother communicating with your customers because, you know, employees are the first customer. Um, and so that ended up being about half of the time I spent. So in the end, my client said, you should just write the book on this. And so I did. That's a very long answer to a very wow. short question. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because I have a, it might be a little controversial question, which is, mm-hmm. is it, truly a relativistic thing i mean what is the approach in other words is it all about making sure we communicate is there any absolutism meaning at some point at some point somebody some generation has got a worse approach or a better approach than others or is it truly a relativistic approach meaning that we all just need to figure out how to understand each other everybody's sort of always right in their you know, right. uh, uh, yeah, obviously we're talking in big generalizations here big general, in their yeah. approach. So what's your approach? Yeah. Well, I think there's two things. One, you know, people today talk about intergenerational conflict, like it's something new, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> I think one of the first quotes I have in my book is from Socrates, which is 400 BC. That's before Christ. It's been going on for a long time, right? <laughs> yeah. So first we have to get over ourselves on that one, right? There's nothing new. Our parents complained about us. It's like we're complaining about the people behind us. You know, it's nothing new. Um, I think there's a couple of things on that, though. Um, you know, understand, you know, real communication and real relationship happens when you understand the other person's point of view. And we are informed by our generation, although that's not the only information that we have, right? But we're definitely informed, particularly uh, in the workplace, particularly around technology and what the technology has allowed, um, you know, the benefits that technology has um, brought to us all. But if you've grown up with technology versus, you know, sort of adapted to technology, you have a very different point of view in the world. So I'll give you an example. So millennials, you know, in, so millennials are between 15 and 35 this year. Are you guys millennials? No, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> sadly. So, sadly. Well, Generation X here. Yeah, so Gen Xers. Well, you know, that's a whole other topic, but um, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a second. So, but you've had tech, you know, 15 to, to 35 year olds, A, it's a big, it's 20 years range, it's a huge range, but they've had technology like we never, like Gen X's and boomers never had, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't learn on iPads, we didn't learn with video and then, you know, in the classroom doing the homework. We didn't have Google just to click on and say, here's the answer. We couldn't tweet out from the tarmac in an airplane and go, take me back to the gate and have it happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So the power that's in, the power that technology has brought to people, all of us, um, uh, is huge. Um, and, but the millennials have grown up with it. So this brings a whole different point of view on where my space is in the world, um, which that is what creates the conflict in the office, I think, more than anything else. Well, it's interesting you say that because I have two school-age sons, Mm -hmm. and they're introducing more and more technology into education. And one of the observations I've made as a parent, and I'm not an educator, but I uh, certainly, you know, witness a lot of it, and it depends on the teacher 
how much yeah. they understand the technology so and true. how much they how comfortable they are with it. Because there are some teachers who are using it in these really incredible, innovative ways and helping kids understand that they can connect all over the world. And there are others who are like, okay, fill this out on a Google form when right. you really could just, you know, use pencil and paper. <laughs> so you it's could just like turn around and say, hi there. Yeah, I'll be there. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so it's really, it's, it's fascinating to see kind of this transition yeah. happening in education as well. It just, I mean, the transition that's happening in education just will pull through to the workplace. Absolutely. And I think that leads to a question that I have, which is about, you know, once you understand this generation of millennials, which as you pointed out is, a, you know, 20 years, but mm -hmm. they're really, they're the next generation of buyers and customers as well. And mm -hmm. so what do you think are some insights that we should all know about them in that regard? Yeah. So I think the first thing about uh, millennials as customers is um, the high expectation they have for transparency. So they probably, you know, in as workers, they know about more about your company than you do because mm -hmm. you know, they, it's easy to find, right? <laughs> um, it's easier for them to find than it is for us to find. Oh, I didn't know that about my company. So the transparency issue is just paramount um, for for millennial customers, if you say you're going to deliver, you better deliver. And you mm -hmm. shouldn't just, just deliver, but you should probably give a little S&D, surprise and delight on top of that delivery, right? So um, so what you're saying is the minimal viable product of that would be acceptable, and then you give a little sugar on top, right? Because that's how you're going to, one, you know, they said I, they were going to do this, and they did it. They said this shirt would last for a year and a half, and it did. They said that this would be cool, and it was. They said that uh, I'd be able to stream at whatever it, you know, whatever it is, and and it happened. So one, this is a promise is so much more important today um, because they can find out, you know, what the promise is and what the delivery is uh, needs to be pretty short and shallow. The difference, right? So mm -hmm. number one on transparency, too, is more and more people, not just millennials, but more and more people want to know who they're buying from. So um, are they buying from a company who uh, produces with child labor? Are they buying from a company who is predatory with their employees? Are they buying from, you know, you know these things matter more and more um, uh, to consumers as much as they matter to employees. Like, you know, we see today people who are applying for jobs, asking questions like, how many volunteer days do I get a year? What are the things that you're going to do in the community every year? Um, so if you imagine that for employees matters, then you just have to, you don't have to go too far to understand how much of that stuff matters to consumers as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, what does your brand stand for and is it real, right? The trust of a brand becomes more and more important for loyalty. Um, as opposed to just one in the bag. So if you, what I mean by that is, oh, I could just buy any cereal. I'm going to buy lots of cereals, right? Be Jerry Seinfeld, buy 15 different cereals. And, <laughs> but I'm going to focus on General Mills because I like General Mills as a company. I'm going to focus on so-and-so because I like them as a company. And that didn't used to matter as much as it does today. People eschew really brands that they don't, uh, more and more people avoid brands that don't line up with their own values. Um, and it used to be just be the wackos who did that, right? <laughs> Truly, like, oh, there's the wackos. You don't have to worry about them. But that group is, you know, not so wacko anymore. Right. Well, and they all talk to each other, right? There are so many oh, my goodness. communication right? points now. 
When you think of uh, just the power of Yelp alone, which, you know, that's a whole different conversation, but... (laughs) Uh, because there's a lot of gaming that system, and, and Yelp has worked sort of hard to try, try to fix that. But the power of uh, my personal experience on somebody else, you know, never has been more poor, never has been more, um, A, quick and, and useful. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to that restaurant because they got terrible service. I'm like, well, if Lee got terrible service, I'm never going there because she actually bothered to say something, you know. So... Uh- you, know, you mentioned a sort of before it was the fringe, uh, the fringe customers that were worried mm-hmm. about these things. Now it's a broader swath of customers. Mm-hmm. I'm interested if you've seen anything. I, I read an interesting thing from Malcolm Gladwell recently. You know, he's talking mm-hmm. about some of the things we attribute to generations are actually they're not generational; they're developmental. Meaning, when they get mm-hmm. older, they're going to lose it. Have you seen? <laughs> you know, it, they're going to become more like us. It depends, but we just don't know in certain cases. So. Just, you know, get to crystal ball out, not to put you on the spot. Yeah. What, what are the things you see in the millennial generation you think will carry with them as they you know, become our age? And what are the things you see that might just, you know, we're sort of because they're young and just like we well, were think, young. Yeah. Well, I think we see that already. You know, um, there was a story just a, like a, three or four weeks ago about McDonald's. And McDonald's is trying to cater to millennials about what they said, right? Millennials say they want more healthy things. They say they want, you know, all these things. And then uh, what the behavior is, is I'll have my Big Mac and my extra large fries, please. <laughs> um, and because either it's cheaper, we don't know why, right? You have to figure out the psychographics of that. But what they want and what you do, there is a gap there. I think that's not that's not generational. That's human behavior, right? Absolutely. Give me ten pounds later. Therefore, I'm going to have less ice cream. What? You know, kind of thing. So, they, you know, what people say and what they do are two different things. What mille- what millennials have that is either an advantage or a disadvantage is that they have a much louder voice because they have many more ways to communicate than we did when we were their age, right? So um, so I think that that one, that one thing is you have to remember, right? As people, A, you know, so basically intention versus behavior has always been, you know, gauging that gap is so hard, right? Just so hard. Um, I think that the, you know, if we think about, you know, the optimism the belief in I can make a difference, which is really, um, as a generation, you know, uh, peop- they've seen their parents lose their jobs, lose their pensions, lose their 401ks over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, depending on where you are in the country, maybe twice. You know, I'm uh, the last year of Boomer. I've lost my, half my net worth at least three times. You know, when I was 27, <laughs> I had a dollar. It didn't matter. Well, in 2008, it really mattered, right? right. <laughs> um, and um, they know they can't count on anybody but themselves for their, they're not counting on the government. They're not counting on the one job. They're not counting on, you know, other people to create their, their, uh, their retirement. So they are create, crafting their own words or crafting their own work, right, in their own worlds. It's a very different concept versus um, particularly boomers. Gen Xers are sort of in the middle there, you know, both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that changes um, but I think that is different um, than particularly the boomers who were very much more of a wait my turn generation. I get into a company, I'm going to wait my turn, I'm going to move up. 
Um, and I think Malcolm Gladwell, I think I get what he's, you know, we all sort of lose the shine of, of uh, optimism of youth when we have to buy a house and have kids and all that kind of stuff. But um, there's a lot of evidence that says that millennials are, are in, you know, there's a, po- there's a cohort of millennials, not everybody, obviously, right. that is just much, um, you know, has, doesn't buy into, you know, is on the sharing economy, right? St- instead of a car, they use Zipcar. Instead of um, a house, they're going to rent forever. Instead of, or they use VRBO instead of Air- or Airbnb instead of doing a hotel. The sharing economy of being able to take my own asset and share it back out for some, some sort of uh, income, you know, is, is gaining traction um, in this generation. Um, so that, I mean, I think that has a lot of implication to what happens later. I mean, how do you undo Uber or Lyft? <laughs> how do you undo that? I mean, you don't, not, you don't, you don't, right? Um, how do you undo those things? Um, when people like, if you live in an area of the country that is, you know, I live in San Francisco area, it's super expensive to live here. People, you know, people are paying their rent or paying their mortgage by renting out a couple of rooms, you know, two or three times a month. Um, so, you know, it's that's happening, right? This is happening. So amazing. And, so. you know, you, uh, well, first of all, thank you for doing the crystal ball thing, you know, because that's, <laughs> that's always hard. I'm not on sure I gave you an answer, but I'm sure it was facts. <laughs> no, it was great. Well, you know, you look at, you said you were a, a boomer, you know, and that's one of the generations we look at that had the idealism stamped out of it, you know, <laughs> very quickly after the 60s, you know, and that's really interesting. <laughs> and when you look at this generation, mm-hmm. I, I saw some statistic, and I, I'm not going to get the number right, but basically I think if you're if you're 18 or something, you know, yeah. you, you, you and you live in this country, you've experienced like a year or something where we haven't been at war with somebody, you know, and you add in the uh, something. It's not a political statement. It's just, you know, when you talk about the experience of this generation and when you talk Mm -hmm. about the the housing bubble and all that, just like that shaped Mm -hmm. the World War II generation living through the Depression. It's it's so fascinating what they're going to hang on to or what they're not. And it's just amazing. Um, I I think if you think about I'm sorry, but Go there's ahead. three in, the, in millennials. There's three groups of millennials, and I'm just because this is important, right? So one, the first group is 28 to 35, and these people came into the world into the world of work after 9/11. They have a, you know, if you're a Gen Xer, you know about going to the gate to pick somebody up at the airport. Mm-hmm. If you're a millennial, you do not. Your whole uh, life is has been changed in terms of your privacy and your access and security, right? Um, than the Gen X generation. Totally different. If you are 22 to 28 uh, millennial, you're coming into the work after 2008. And there is a whole cohort of people, 22 to 28 year old, who are still trying to get the job that matches their education. Because so many people couldn't get work in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, right? Um, and they're sort of catching up to their expectations of of, um, of their education. It's been very dis- it's been disheartening for so many of them. And then you know today, thirty nine of working millennials live at home with their parents. This is the highest number that's happened since World War II. So that's another thing that's happening. And then if you're fifteen to twenty two, right, you're in school. You have an iPad. You have an iPhone. You have some you know whatever. These didn't even exist for the 20, 28 to 35 year olds, right? So, I mean, they're all very different conditions, and they're, and I think each sub, subgroup of the millennial generation is very much shaped by these big things. Well, this is a fascinating topic that has so many 
layers. I just want to keep like peeling the onion. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 fascinating about the intergenerational workplace, which you you know write so well about. But it's also you know, how does this impact all of us? How do we all get along? So I, I really appreciate you sharing this with us because I think there's a lot we can learn from, from each other, really. So it's, it's fascinating. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. And, and Lee, if people want more information, how can they reach you online? They can reach me at www.leecarreher.com, C-A-R-A-H-E-R. Fantastic. And we'll be sure those are in the show notes too. But Absolutely. Thank you so much, Lee. This was really, really fascinating. Yeah, thank you, Lee. You can talk about this all day, for sure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Crack the Customer Code. Head on over to crackthecustomercode.com for all of our shows and show notes. And thank you to our sponsor, Service Strategies, for supporting this podcast. Make sure to check out their informative customer experience workshop in San Diego on October 27th. Go to servicestrategies.com for more details. And as always, we truly appreciate you listening and sharing our podcast with your networks. Plus, we'd love your feedback. Drop us an email at thecustomercode at gmail.com or give us a call, 470-223-CODE. And let us know what you like, what we could improve on, or who you would like us to invite as a guest. And of course, please subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher so you'll never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, we'd love your comments in a review. We also love seeing our listeners share the podcast with friends, neighbors, your mail carrier, whoever you'd like. Share the love. <laughs> yes, and after you're sharing the love, come check me out. I'm Adam Deporek, and you can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersatstick.com. And I'm Jeannie Walters. Read my blog, sign up for customer experience webinars, and connect with me at 360connects.com. That's 360-C-O-N-N-E-X-T.com. And until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.